Hey, good morning. That's pretty cool. I come back and you applaud. I'll tell you what, half off tie today forever. No, geez. Geez. Hey, I think most of you know I, I was on vacation and uh, just had a great, great time to rest and relax. But part of what I was able to do was go hang out with just some incredible uh, leaders. I had a chance to uh, go to Minnesota, spend some time with uh, Bob Merritt, who pastors Eagle Brook Church there in Minnesota, running like 14,000 people on a Sunday, and uh, had a chance to go spend some uh, time up uh, in Las Vegas at Central Christian up there, and, and again, another church running like uh, 14,000. So just to sit at the feet of high-capacity leaders and ask questions. So it was refreshing. It was good. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to go do that. And uh, I'm back, and I'm ready to go again. So um, glad to be here. And yes, I still go to church here. <laughs> hey, uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, together today uh, called Censored. And if you couldn't figure it out, uh, it, we're going to talk about talking. Um, anybody in the room just go, look, uh, I really don't need this sermon series. I, uh, I just refuse to talk. Uh, I haven't heard anything worth talking about, and so I haven't opened my mouth in a couple of years. And How many people go, the person I'm next to really need? No. All right. So we're going to talk about talking. Here's the interesting thing. The average person during the course of any given day, 30 uh, conversations, 30 significant full-blown conversations. If you were just to take the words of those 30 conversations, type them out, write them down. In the course of a year, are you ready for this? You and I would have said enough words to fill 232 200-page books, which means at the end, you and, I, you and I say a lot of words, a ton of words. The interesting thing is, is how many of those words really matter? How many of those words actually uh, count because he, the re, truth be told, every word you say is going to go in one of three buckets, one of three categories. So there, there's, there's a whole bunch of words that you and I use that, let's just be honest, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter a whole lot. It, it has no eternal impact. You know, stuff like, hey, what do you think of the Red Sox this year? Uh, how's the review going? I mean, at the end of the, when it all comes down to it, they may seem important to them, but eternally, they're, they're of no consequence. And the reality is the vast, 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 vast majority of all the words that you and I say in the course of a day, a week, a month, a year are going to go into that category. The big deal is the other two categories. Because there are some words that you and I use during the course of the day, that have all the capacity to harm, to wound the person who heard those words, uh, to do and affect their lives in such a significant way that once you and I have said the words, they and we may never be quite the same because those words passed from our mouths. Eternal consequences. And then, on the other end of the spectrum, are words that change a life for the better, that, that 
the perfect word said in exactly the right moment, and, and a person who was thinking about ending their life suddenly sees a reason to live again. Somebody who was desperately far from God suddenly goes, oh my goodness, God makes sense and eternity is changed for them. Someone who never thought they had the capacity or their abilities to do that, and suddenly you and I speak into them, and they go, oh, I can't believe that somebody else saw that in me, and now they push off in a completely different direction in their lives. And there is the capacity for our words to forever change. Matter of fact, the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth, Solomon, simply said this about words. Words have the power of life and death. And you and I are just going to spend the next couple of weeks together talking about how incredibly powerful our words are. And I'm just going to be honest with you, and, and today as we uh, begin to go forward, we're going to spend some time talking about words that wound and words that maybe should never uh, pass from our lips. And, and if I can get us there, I, I want to convince you today that this bucket is so dangerous, is so devastatingly dark, that you and I don't want to ever make another installment here. That, 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 if, that if we could learn the lesson today, we, we would walk out of this room and, and we would have put a lid here. We, we would begin to guard our lips. We, we'd tape them over, just go, look, I, I, am, I am never again going to invest, put an installment, in words that harm other people. So if you've got your Bibles today, grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of James. It's interesting because James is a guy who does not mince words. Matter of fact, if anything, he's almost a little bit too direct. There's moments you get a little offended with James. Go, James, look, there was a much more tactful way to say that. It's interesting that God chooses him to be the author to talk about this idea of words. And I'm just going to be, he goes after us. I mean, he just absolutely says, Stop, 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 stop allowing your words to wound and harm and hurt others. Don't do it. Okay, so it's James chapter 3, grab your Bibles. If you're not real familiar uh, this morning, if you go to the back of your Bible and work uh, to the left, you're going to find this book of James. It's not very far from the very back. If you get to Hebrews, you've gone a little bit too far, come back, it's Hebrews and then James. James chapter 3. and a conversation about words. Here's what James says, James chapter 3, starting in, in verse 2. He says, look, we, we all stumble in, in a bunch of ways. I mean, we, we've all got stuff going on in our lives. We've all got places that we need to look more like Jesus. But if anyone is never at fault in what he says, if, if you can figure out how to conquer this thing of your words, uh, man, that, that's a perfect guy, and probably a better word for that is complete. That, this is a you, are a, you are a mature follower of Christ if you can figure out how to get your words under control. He is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And, and here's all he's saying. He's saying, guys, look, this may be one of the hardest things you and I do. This isn't going to come overnight. This isn't going to be easy, but here's the other thing you ought to get. You and I are never going to get on the right side of our words casually. See, if you just say, well, look, I, I say the things I say, and I grew up in a family, and that's how we talked, and, you know, I mean, I mean, eventually, maybe I'll get on the, kind of the rights. James says, no, 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 no. You're going to have to go straight on, because this may be one of the hardest things as a follower of Christ that you ever get control of in your life. 
This is not something you're going to do passively. You've got to put a stake in the ground and just say, look, I'm going to change the things that come out of my mouth, and I'm going to make a commitment to no longer make any deposits in words that harm. It's a big deal. He goes on then in verse 3. He says, think about this. Uh, You and I, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal with a little piece of metal. Or take ships, for an example. Although they are so large and they're driven by winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. So think about this. You got a 2,000-pound horse, and a 90-pound little girl can steer that horse because there's a little thing in his mouth, a bit. Think, Think about huge freight liners on the ocean going through unbelievably large waves, and all that's steering that thing is a tiny little rudder on the back. He says, guys, here's what you need to know. Your mouth, I mean, your mouth is like a bit in the mouth of a horse. Your mouth is like a rudder on a ship. Matter of fact, he goes on, here's what he says. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of your body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. He says, look, look, you got to get this. This thing may seem little. You may be discounting and going, look, I mean, get it, hold on. This isn't, this isn't a big deal. I mean, I've got bigger fish to fry in my cruise. He goes, no, 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 no. What appears to you right now to be small has the capacity to actually change the direction, you ready, of your life and the life of others. This is not a little thing. What comes out of your mouth is vitally important. Verse 6, the tongue also is like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of life on fire. And in and of itself, it is lit by the fires of hell. Now, James is kind of doing the downside. of. He's going, look, look, if you and I don't control this, if you and I don't get on the front end of our words in our conversation, you realize this has the destructive capacity to mess your life over huge. And, guys, and Maybe more importantly, the lives of the people who live in proximity to you. There are things that you can say that your children will never forget. There are are things that can come out of your mouth during the course of an argument that your spouse will never quite be able to give their heart to you the same way once you say that. And he's saying, look, this this isn't little. You can alter the course of your life based on what you do, and you let a fire go out of control, and you're going to see damage, and you let your tongue... Be out of control, and you're going to see damage. And James just said, look, look, look. You and I have got to get, because this can change the course of our life. How many guys know who Terrell Owens is? Okay, pretty good, pretty good number uh, of us. Uh, so for those in the room who don't know, uh, Terrell Owens is a, uh, a wide receiver, uh, plays in uh, the NFL the interesting thing about uh, Terrell Owens is that he has incredible, unbelievable God-given ability. Matter of fact, uh, as he started his NFL career, he was playing for the San Francisco 49ers where the greatest receiver of all time, a guy by the name of Jerry Rice, was playing. 
And people immediately looking at Terrell Owens said, this is the guy. I mean, we thought there would never be someone who could come behind Jerry Rice and break his records. I mean, they're just so astronomically out of sight of any other person who's ever played the position. But all of a sudden, here's Terrell Owens, and they said, you know what, this is the guy. This guy has so much God-given talent, so much capacity. There is nobody on the field who can stay with this guy. He may be the guy to unseat Jerry Rice. He's never gotten there. He's never gotten there. With all that talent, all of that ability, and you need to hear, it has nothing to do with whether or not he can play football. It has everything to do with his mouth. Because anyone who knows who Terrell Owens is knows this. He absolutely cannot control his lip. Every time he's frustrated, he's on the sidelines just chewing out the rest of his teammates. Every time he thinks the coach makes a wrong call, he goes on national TV and says, my coach is just an idiot. He absolutely dogs his teammates. He throws people under the bus. He cannot stop. He's got diarrhea of the mouth. And here's what's happened. Team after team after team after team has taken this guy and said, look, it's going to be different, and he's going to get better at this, and he's going to be able to do this. And team after team after team has cut him. And they've said, despite his abilities, despite his capacity, as incredibly God-gifted, we can't afford him because we cannot afford the dissension and the chaos that his mouth brings to the team. And if you've watched his career, he's gone from an amazing team to a lesser team to a lesser team to a lesser team. I don't, I don't think he's even on a team because of his mouth. And all James is saying is, guys, 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 look, this isn't, this isn't something you pass on. This isn't something you go, hey, someday I'll get to it. Your mouth has the capacity to change your destiny, to change where your life lands. But maybe, a guys, guys, Maybe more importantly, it has the capacity to change the lives of the people that you love the most. There are people that are absolutely tuned into you and hang on your every word and wait for their father to say, you're okay. Wait for their mother to say, thank you for helping. They wait. And your words have the capacity to change the lives and the destinies of people around you. And James just simply says, guys, get it may seem like a little thing, it has big, big ramifications. And so here's what I'm going to do, because James is going to take us there. He's going to say, I want you to take a peek in this bucket. I want you to see what it looks like when you let your mouth go dark, because if you can see how dark it could be, you will stop making deposits on this side, and you will start leveraging your tongue to make deposits that bless and change people's lives. So here, here we go, back to the passage. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. You say, look, we, we, we're, we're taming elephants. You think we could tame our tongue? But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's interesting, uh, he says, man, your, your tongue has every capacity to poison. You know, it's, you get that image of almost like being bitten by a snake or nailed by a scorpion. He says, there's the capacity for poisonous things to come from our lips. Anybody in the room ever been stung 
by gossip? Ever had someone say things about you that had no business being said out there? True or not true? Anybody been stung by gossip? Anybody in here a gossip? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm. Isn't it interesting about gossip? It's so hard to decide whether or not you and I are gossiping, right? I mean, you're in the middle of a conversation, and you get done, you go, you know, was that gossip? I mean, did I? Nah. I, I was just sharing. It was a prayer request. I didn't say that, but it was a prayer request. You know, and now we can pray for Fred. No, 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 no. I was, I was just taking commonly held information and spreading it around. I'm CNN, you know, that's me. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes you go, boy, I don't, I don't know. I don't, maybe, you know, I don't know if I said too much. Here's the interesting thing. Have someone gossip about you, and you can identify it just like that. You dirty dog, you gossiped about me. You and I, when someone else does it to us, we recognize Here's the problem with gossip. When you and I begin to share information that we probably don't have any business sharing, the the minute we let it go, see, the minute you and I say it out loud, here's what you need to know. It's unrecoverable. See, once you say it, once you spread it, you will not be able to contain it. See, here's the way to go. I only told my best friend. Well, yeah, but she posted it on Facebook. I get it. I get that you only told your best friend, but she's got 12 best friends. And it's gone. It's gone. And it's got a life of its own. And now that it's out, and now that it's going, you will not be able to contain the damage. You will not be able to go, whoa, 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 you're exaggerating. Whoa, 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 that's not what I said. Once it's out, you will not be able to contain it. I was trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I do this as an illustration today? You know, I mean, how do I help us kind of get it? And I thought, right, what, what, what do I do? What if I got like this huge jug of water and just poured it on the stage and it just like goes everywhere? And I thought, what, 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 right? what if I got like a box of cats? Open it up and the cats just all go running everywhere. And then I thought, you know what? The problem with both of those is, you could potentially contain them. I mean, you could get up here with mops and a, you know, a wet vac and kind of recover the moment. And, you know, you could go out and kind of catch the catch. You could probably, you know, get on the other side of that. And I went, you know what? Birds. Birds. See, you release birds, what are the chances you're going to catch them again? So, okay, that's the perfect illustration that if we, we just, like, let a whole bunch of birds go in the auditorium... Okay, I didn't do birds. You know why I didn't do birds? Because birds would have been stupid. You know why? Because if I had done birds last service, there'd still be birds flying around this room. You'd have come in, there'd have been bird poop all over your seat. It'd have been dumb to release the birds. And you get that James is saying the exact same thing about gossip. Guys, you're dumb. You, this is crazy. Why would you release? Because the moment you release, you, you, you get, you're not going to be able to pull that back in. It, it will take on a life of its own, and you will not be able to decide where it stops. I've got a friend. 
he was a youth pastor for a while, and he went on a youth trip. I think, I think they were going to Magic Mountain. I don't remember that part for sure, but uh, it, typically when you go on a trip like that, you know, you end up staying overnight in a hotel, and typically you put like an adult sponsor, three, four kids in every single room. And uh, so sure enough, there they were. They'd gone to the theme park. Now it's night. In the middle of the night, my friend, the youth pastor, wakes up, and one of the young men on the trip was on top of him kissing him. My friend was a little bit shocked and wasn't sure uh, what to do. And uh, the next morning, uh, he, he went to his staff and he just said, look, guys, I just got to tell you something happened here. It was weird. I stopped it immediately, but, you know, just need to say this out loud. The young man denied it. Matter of fact, the young man turned it all the way and said, no, 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 no. It wasn't me. It was him. He kissed me. And the story went. Spread all through the youth group. And then the youth group kids shared it at school. <laughs> Pretty soon it was out there. And kids who had trusted their youth pastor now hated their youth pastor. And the, and, and the reputation of the church and the community. Because of gossip. Tough part of the story. My friend told the truth. Matter of fact, in order to vindicate his name, and to, he went in and took a polygraph test. And literally, ready, the polygraph operator understood, I think, the potential and literally wrote next to the polygraph test, I find absolutely no deception in this man. Matter of fact, I have never had a cleaner polygraph test. The young man, the young man who made the accusations, three different times refused to take a polygraph. And the truth is, I, I, I knew before my friend took the polygraph, that, but it didn't change the gossip. It didn't change the damage. And there were kids in the youth group who could never get their arms around that my friend hadn't done this. The story had a life of its own. Eventually, my friend just said, I'm done. I mean, I'm done. If, if Christians... If Christians can repeat a story like that, if, if all of my investment and all of my clean and everything I've tried to do and they're willing to flush my reputation down the toilet, I'm done. I will tell you that I've prayed my, for my friend the last eight years to say, God, please. Because I just wonder, I wonder how many kids were supposed to be in his youth groups. I wonder how many lives have not been touched because my friend was so brokenhearted over the gossip that was spread about him. I wonder how many of those kids gave up on God and gave up on church because a lie was spread. And guys, I'm just, I'm just telling you, if you and I understood this, we'd put a lid. We, we, we would just say, look, I, I will not participate in gossiping. He said, well, look, Belen, I mean, what, how do you know? I mean, you already admitted that line's a little blurry. How do you know if it's gossip? Here, maybe this will help. You have no business sharing a story. If you are not part of the problem, in other words, you go, look, I was in the room. I saw it happen. I'm one of the people who didn't turn in my work on time. Whatever it is, I'm part of the problem. 
So I, I need to have this discussion with other people who are part of the problem. We, we need to talk this out. You don't need to be having discussion if you are not directly part of the problem, are you ready, or part of the solution. I have suddenly gotten information about somebody else, and the only reason I'm going to share it is because I'm going to try to find someone to help me fix it. I'm going to be part of the solution, and I'm going to bless the person's life who I just heard something harmful about by helping them. I'm going to be part of the solution. And if you are not part of the problem and you are not part of the solution, don't you dare, don't you dare make a deposit. You'll change somebody's life. James goes on. Verse 9. He says, With the tongue uh, we praise God the Father and we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Now, when you hear the word curse, you think, oh, okay, he's, he's talking about, you know, bad words. He really, in, in this context, isn't. He's talking about you and I say things that hurt them, that you, you will never amount to anything. I'm calling out their future, and I'm speaking a curse on it. It's when you and I choose in a moment because we're frustrated, because we're in the middle of a fight, and we say, you're just a, and I am calling a curse on them. I, I am projecting their value. I am declaring their future, and I am basically saying, and you are worthless. And we do it, guys, let's be honest, we do it all the time to win a fight, to vent our anger, How many of you have heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Okay, so can I just tell you that whoever said that never got past the first grade? Because if you have any life experience whatsoever, you know that's not true. Because here's the deal. I've broken bones, and bones heal. I mean, after a while, I mean, maybe you got a scar, but they heal. There are words... There are words that have been said that I, I will never forget. And there have been words that have been said about you that you will never forget. Look, do this. How many of you right now, if I just said, okay, I want you to stand up right where you are, tell me this. Tell me the last compliment you got. How many people say, I could do that right now? Okay, a couple of us could say it. All right, so let me ask you this question. How many of you, if I said to you, has to be older than five years, but I want you to tell me a time when someone with their words wounded you. Said something that for the rest of your life you'll never forget that they said that to you and about you. James would say they called a curse on you. They said you were worthless. They said you'll never amount to anything. They were a friend who said, I'm not your friend and I don't love you. How many people say, I've got something to five you and I, I could tell you. I could tell you that story. How many people say that? Isn't that Interesting. Because, 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 you ready for this? There are words that can come from your and my lips. That the person who hears us may never be the same after they hear us. I'm in sixth grade and our school was kind of overflowing so they put these temporary buildings out on the side and 
I'd gotten to school a little bit early, so I'm standing there outside the kind of the portable building on the ramp, and there's four or five other uh, boys waiting to go into the room. And I'll be honest with you, at this, I don't remember what was said first. I don't, I don't remember what it was. I remember who said it. Ted. And, and I changed his name. I must have reacted. Because it was like blood in the water, and suddenly all the other sixth grade boys standing around chimed in and began. And they literally just began to call me the most vile names. I remember running home. I stayed home from school that day. My mom came home in the evening, and how's your day at school today? I said, Mom, look, I'm never going back. I will never, never, never go. I don't care if you have to put me in jail. I don't care what you have to do. I'm never going back to that school. My mom, of course, did the most terrifyingly embarrassing thing that a mom can do. She called the principal, and now all their parents came in, and we had this big conference, and I, you know. And good enough, they, they didn't do it again. Can I tell you that, that it's 40 years later, and I, I don't remember a single classmate in sixth grade, but I can tell you that guy's first name and last name. And I could almost quote what he said. Because there's words that once you and I say them, the wound is so deep, they may never be forgotten. Years later, I was in high school and someone said, hey, did you know that Ted became a Christian? And matter of fact, Ted is planning to go in the ministry. Can I tell you what my first response was? to the person who told me that? No way. Not Ted. God, God could never use Ted. That wasn't true. But I, I, I was still living with the words of Ted. And you know what the crazy part is? I bet you Ted had forgotten. I bet you he totally forgot that he had said those things to me. But I hadn't. So I'm just going to ask you. Are, are you a person who's reckless with your words? That, that in the moments you get most frustrated, you get in the middle of a fight, and you're willing to leverage your words to win. And you will call people names, and you will say hurtful things, and you will bring up horrible moments of the past, because you're going to inflict whatever wound is necessary to get to the top and put them in their place. And I'm, I'm just telling you what you need to know in this moment, what James would ask us to peek in and see is those words leaving your lips may never, ever leave the heart of the person you said them to. And I'm just going to say that in a room like this today, there's a chance that every single one of us, looking back over our lives, would say, I, wow, this could not be more true. I can think of people who I know, I know, I've wounded with my words. And I'm just going to ask you, how powerful would it be? How, what, a, what would it mean 
to your and my testimony of Jesus Christ, how different would our lives be if in those most frustrating moments, in the moments when I'm most angry at you and and feel most hateful in my heart toward you, that if in that moment I had learned how to control my tongue and I just said, look, 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 at the very least, at the very least in this moment, I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'm not going to unleash that venom into your life. I'm not going to inflict that harm. But think about this. What if you and I went the next step? What if not only did you and I not say it, what if in that moment you and I found a way to bless the person I wanted to curse? What if in that moment we'd say, look, I totally disagree with you. I totally don't understand where you're coming from. I, 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 I just, I, I think you're wrong. But here's what I can say. You've got to be one of the best workers in our entire division. Here's what I can say. You are the most unbelievable mother I have ever met, and our children are totally blessed to have you. What if in in the moment that I am most compelled to wound, I would choose to... Your neighbors would be shocked. Your coworkers would be stunned. Your wife might faint. James goes on. It's verse 10. Here's what he says. He says, guys, think, think about this. Think about, think, think about this. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives and can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, can salt, Spring produce fresh water. And, and here, now I think he's talking about our language. I think he's saying, look, wait, wait, wait a minute. How, how is it possible for you and I to go, hey, look, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a God believer, all these things. Oh, by the way, blankety, blankety, blank. How is it possible for those two things to come out of the same mouth? How is it possible for you and I to say, look, Jesus has radically changed my life, but oh, by the way, My language, my words sound just as dark, just as vile as people who don't know my Savior. James would say, how's that possible? Because, because you ready for this? The greatest revealer of the fact that something's changed in you is what comes out of your mouth. Matter of fact, Scripture says, out of your mouth come the issues of your heart. And you may say to me, look, Jesus has made this huge change in me and I'm a completely radically different person, but tell me what you say when life stinks. Tell me what comes from your lips when you drop that box on your foot and you'll give a real good indicator about how the inside is doing in that moment. And guys, you just need to hear me say this. When you and I, who claim to be Christ followers, use the language of people who are far from God, we absolutely confuse them, and we cause them to go, look, I, you, may, you may look like Jesus on the outside, and you may have figured out how to put a little sticker on the back of your car, but I just saw what came out of your inside. And I'm not sure that Jesus isn't much more than a whitewash. Some of you guys know, and I've told the story, I'm in Bible college, I'm working my way through, and I'm working on a freight dock. Now, guys, I'm just going to tell you, a freight dock is an interesting place for vocabulary and words. Because the average truck driver and the average guy who loads a truck only has a three-word vocabulary. One of them is drunk, and the other two I cannot say in church. And so here I am working on this uh, freight dock. 
Can I tell you that the number one thing that they watched in my life as I, this pastor, this preacher boy, worked on the freight dock, what did I do? What did I do when uh, I dropped that box on my foot? What, what did I do when one of the other workers irritated me? What did I do when the boss uh, was a jerk toward me? And guess what they were watching? What was going to come out of my lips next? And if I had been putting together a string of curse words, if I'd been, if I'd been spewing all sorts of just dark language, you know what they would have said. They would have said, okay, so underneath it all, Dude, you are just like us. So you may be the preacher boy and you may carry your Bible around, but when it comes down to what's on the inside, I just saw it come out of your mouth. You know, it's interesting to me, because uh, I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. I think Facebook is like the world's gossip parlor. Uh, it has, I, people put their whole lives on Facebook, and believe me, there's things about your life I don't want to know. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. I've got thousands of friends. I, tons of you have friended me on Facebook. And so all of a sudden, I'll, I'll see this thing goes, Pastor Lynn, that was the best sermon on Sunday. I was so blessed. Then you get about two rows down, and all of a sudden it says, WTF, OMG. And I'm going, wow. we got a long way to go. And I'm... I, and some of you go, well, Lynn, you don't, you don't understand. I mean, this is the way my family's always talked. I mean, this is, you know, this is, you know, I work in an industry, and everybody tells blue jokes, and everybody, this is just the, I don't care what the culture of it is. I don't care. Because at the bottom line, he's saying, look, if you're truly going to be a Christ follower, and if you're going to tell somebody how wonderful Jesus is, and then the next day you're going to be turning around and putting a string of curse words out of your mouth, how in the world do fresh water and salt water come out of the same mouth? How are people who are far from your Jesus supposed to understand that? This is a big deal, he says. And so, matter of fact, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Chances are, if I, if I said to you today, hey, make me a list of words that a Christian should, should probably never use, words that Jesus would never say, even if he stubbed his toe, what are those words? And you and I could probably come up with that list of words. But you know what I think maybe even more damaging are the gray words. They're the words that you and I go, well, you know, I don't know. Is that a cuss word? I don't know. It's probably a little crass, a little crude. I don't know. You know what the problem with those words are? Your friends that don't know Jesus and are far from God don't know either. And so when you and I as Christ followers say those words out loud, then they go, well, I don't know what's on the inside of them. Because, I, I mean, I'm not sure. If it's, is it appropriate for a Christian to say that? And so I'm, here's what I'm just going to challenge you to consider doing, that, that not only do you take the ones that everybody knows you and I shouldn't be saying, but you and I come to the gray ones, we go, look, I just, I, I'm, just, I'm not even going to take a chance of depositing. I'm not going to take a chance of somebody far from God being confused about what Jesus has done in my life. And I, I'm going to push the bar all the way back here. I, I just won't let words like that come out of my mouth. It's interesting because we'll be in staff conversations sometimes and we get to one, and I spell it. And people laugh and they go, well, that's not a bad word. And I go, well, I'm just not taking any chances. I don't want to be the pastor, the Christ follower who spoke in the gray. James would say, if you, if you lifted the lid and really understood the power of your words, you'd never make another deposit again. You wouldn't do it. So what's the answer? <laughs> Grab your Bibles real quickly. Psalms 
Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. And here's the interesting thing. There's a guy writing this passage of Scripture who had a problem with his mouth, who struggled with his tongue. Matter of fact, he gets kind of to the place in his life, he just goes, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the right side of this thing. And then he writes this prayer. It's Psalms chapter 141, and it's David, King David. And here's what he writes. You ready? Psalms 141, verse 3. He says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. You get what he's saying? He's saying, look, I've tried this. I, I, I'm not gonna, I, I don't think I can get to the, this is, this is a big one. So God, I need your help. Would you put a guard, of, would your Holy Spirit be so present that the second it starts to come out, he immediately calls me on it and stops me in my tracks. Would you help me with this? Because I have every capacity to make deposits in the wrong side. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil or take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Here's what David would say. If you and I are really, really serious, then we would go after this issue in our lives. We, we, would, we would find a way to censor ourselves. Ourselves. 